I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Hi there, podcast fans. I'm Tom Gibbs. Welcome to Telegraph Audio Football Club. Today, it's the final part of our A to Z season preview. Five teams left to assess which run the gamut of mid-table solidity at Southampton and Watford to potential top six botherers West Ham and Wolves and Tottenham Hotspur, who we can't quite work out. Do they need more signings? Is Daniel Levy helping? What happens if Harry Kane gets injured? Are they just going to finish third regardless of all of this because Maurizio Pochettino is excellent? All these questions and more are pondered by our expert panel. Plus, a European preview focusing on France, the troubling case of Neymar's future at PSG, and a hard line on this season's introduction of VAR and how it will be treated on this podcast. Let's take you now into the audio recording facility where Mina Rizuki is yet to put on her headphones, but now she has. Welcome, Mina. <laughs> Hello, it's like a race against time. Yes, um... quite. <laughs> Well, because I like to play all these like games on my iPad. Right. It just rushed me so much. I haven't been able to play them. Oh, I've disturbed the process. Yes. And I like to cook on my all these games. Not real cooking there. No, of course not. No, there's no end product. I only do it on my iPad. Like Arsenal. Matt Law, what's your pre-podcast preparation? Uh, go to the toilet. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> go to the toilet, get a cup of water. Yeah. I'd well, say that's fairly standard. Whatever works. From the toilet. It's like, it's like the equivalent of doing a travel wee. <laughs> Everyone do a travel wee? Yeah, I do that. I have to do a pre-pod wee. Oh, that's because my mum used to force me into that and it sticked with, yeah. stuck with me. Completing our lineup, it's JJ Bort. JJ, I think you're like the former Crystal Palace and Queen's Park Rangers midfielder, Sean Derry, and you have to be sick before each podcast to get it out of your system. <laughs> that's a vile lie and I will <laughs> attack anyone who says otherwise. no. I do. I do lots of research. Yeah, that's good. That's... Watch lots of Weiss Scout in that. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Let us finish up the Premier League with the five teams we are yet to cover, and alphabetically we are up to Southampton, who are Mina, a team definitely improved under Ralph Hasenhutl. Are they still on an upward trajectory? Would you expect even more from them this season? I do, because now he's got a full preseason. Um, he is somebody who is kind of intense with all of his uh, coaching methods. And I think that he needs his, his side to sort of adapt to the way that he wants to play football, to his physical fitness levels uh, that he requires in order to 
to display what it is he wants to display. So I think that having a preseason for him, especially in the type of coach that he is, I think that's massively good for him to have that finally. Um, I think he's a tremendous coach, to be honest. Uh, I, when everyone talked about Julian Nagelsmann, I was like, you know, he's the guy for me. I think the, he's so interesting to watch. Also because of the system, right? Like they are, they they have like three centre-backs that start off the, the, the trying to play the ball back from, from the back. Uh, system is so complicated and attack-minded that you feel like it needs a lot of time for him to really embed his ideals and he needed a full summer for that um and I think that I'm excited to see I think they'll finish above where they managed last season I think they'll be a a lot better than they were last season I don't necessarily think they're going to blow anything out of the park but I'm desperate to see them if if hopefully they can actually convert any of the chances they create couple of additions up front Danny Ings makes his loan move permanent and Che Adams has arrived as well bit more firepower than last season. Shea Adams, I think, could be a real bargain. I think he's 15 million, and you don't get anything really for 15 million at the moment. Um, certainly not up front. Certainly not up front. And he looked really good. I mean, I first remember Che Adams um, scoring against Tottenham for Sheffield United in a, a League Cup. I think he might have been semi-final. Um, and he, I think he came off the bench and he took Tottenham apart that night. Um, up at Bramall Lane and I've kept a little bit of an eye on him ever since he's done really well at Birmingham Um, very very fast very direct powerful I think he'll do well I think he's a really good signing and I do think that Southampton will do a lot better than last season they seem to have had a really good pre-season results wise I haven't watched their pre-season games but results wise they've been good Um, and Hassel sometimes you just get a feeling about a manager um, that, that they're proper that they're good mm. yeah. yeah he's legit and he's, sometimes you can't <laughs> he's legit sometimes you also properly can't explain why and I'm in both of these situations <laughs> and I, I think he's good and I can't really tell you why so what are you saying JJ only, only two uh, only two big signings is that enough to take them forward well uh, yeah I think Southampton like everyone's been saying are going to be much better this season because they were immediately after Hassan Hüttel came in there's something so there's a thing I wrote uh, last season about the, the peak age of managers and, and when they tend to win stuff and Hassan Hull is at his peak just now he's 52 well he's just about to be 52 actually um, and he the, the way he makes them better is by making them uh, work far harder more intensely it's what's he called the alpine clop is mm. basically what he what he does but he sort of like so uh, very basic little stats when Mark Hughes was in charge they were scoring 0.85 goals per game um, 13.7 interceptions per game 402 passes what Hassan Huttle does all his numbers basically are, are well up so the goals went straight up to 1.44 per game tackles are up interceptions are up recoveries are up uh, passes are way down because they're more intense they just fire it go forward ping use lightning pace and uh, they get forward <laughs> as quickly as they can on the on the counter and it's, it's a counter counter it's counter press um, and that's what he does and you see it so the difference between Mark Hughes um, refusing to shake hands and being kind of moody on the touchline, not really doing much. Hassan Huttle prowls it like he's waiting to beat someone up in the car park. Like he always looks so intense that you couldn't possibly do anything wrong and it must inspire some sort of passion in players. And the one thing I think will be very important is how they start. Because if they start, they can keep that momentum going and players will totally buy into that kind of feeling and that relentlessness. But if they have bad results and it's clear that nothing special is going to happen, that momentum will quickly die as it did towards the end of his last season because their numbers although they went up straight away after Hughes they started to revert back to a sort of lower point by the end of the season so 
Is that fitness though? I don't think it's fitness. I think it's a lot to do with mental, like mentality. Okay. Because if you, if you know you can't win anything and you know you're kind of safe and you get to a certain point, or it's just things will change over the course of the season, but I think that's really important. I also I, think we might see Vestergaard become quite good. Yes, he's already, like, in stat wise, so I went through all this, the players as well early in the season, and this new player ranker thing I've got on the Telegraph website, you can see it there. Uh, but he comes up as being, uh, the way I've done the algorithm for defence, he's second to. Virgil van Dijk. <laughs> okay, so my eyes aren't deceiving me because even when he was bad last season and he was struggling, I looked at him and just thought, there's definitely a really good centre-half in him and that maybe with just a season under him and settling down a little bit, I just, again, you look at him and you think he's got everything to be a really good centre-half and you'd have thought it will come together. It's weird because, you know, for someone who's so attacking in, in the way that Hasselhoff likes to play his football, I do think that he's actually quite good defensively. Um, he knows how to create a lot of balance there because the team is just so full of energy that they can always get back, reorganize and, and stick to a, a good shape. Um, even I'm I'm excited to see the right back and how he'll kick on this season. Valerie. In, yeah. yeah, Valerie. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, he was a little bit, you know, forced to be a bit cautious perhaps when he first arrived and it was the Mark Hughes and... Look, he's terrified. And he's yeah, really he looked young. like he was yeah. terrified. He, can, he obviously is capable of a, a mistake or two, but if he's allowed to push on and stuff, I think that'll be very exciting to watch him. They're also a young squad. So you feel like with another year on um, the... You know, they had, what, the youngest age average last season. So perhaps with a year on, with they have the the energy to keep up with Hassan Hotel's demands because, my God, he's loud and demanding. Um, it could be a great season for them. Yeah, very optimistic about Southampton. Shame about their dreadful new kit. That is, of course, the most important part of all of this Who's got season. the best new kit? Oh, well, my, we're recording this on Tuesday and mm. my kit rankings will not come out until this episode has been published. And I can exclusively reveal that you're going to have to look at the website. Oh, okay, just say, on. like, at the third best. Fancy, here we. <laughs> Next up, it is Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. And we will start with an email from Basil, who has emailed AFC Podcast at telegraph.co.uk and said, any Tottenham Hotspur signings on the horizon, we always seem to wait until the last day to sign new players. We need some good defenders. Not a question, Basil. But why haven't they signed anyone, Matt? Daniel Levy. Everyone's sick of him. No one wants to work with Daniel Levy on a football-wise anymore. It's that simple. Everyone's got tired of him. Everyone's got tired of the way he tries to drag things out. And it's really impacting Tottenham. I mean, I think Daniel Levy, he's got to stand down from taking any input into the football side for me. Right. Um, He has done amazingly for that club. The training ground's phenomenal. The new stadium's phenomenal. If you look at the journey they've been on the last sort of seven to eight years in terms of where the, where the club's gone, phenomenal. You know, they are one of the, Europe's big clubs now. But in terms of handling transfers and player contracts, he's just a disaster and he's got to step away from it if that club are going to progress. Not just signing players, either selling players. They can't sell players. They cannot sell players. They've sold about two players in the last two years. Two right-backs, Wyatt Walker and Trippier. Danny Rose is still there. Eriksson's still there as we're talking. Alderweireld's still there. Jordan Kudu's still there. They can't get rid of people, let alone bring anybody in. And it's really, really a big problem. And, you know, people will say, oh, I, I could have egg on my face come Thursday if they've signed like three players. I, I still don't think I will because they've left it so late now. Whoever comes in won't have had a pre-season. Pochettino was talking about wanting a painful rebuild and he wanted it quick like he did the previous summer. And it just hasn't happened yet. And we're getting towards sort of 48 hours in the transfer window and we're still waiting for it to happen. And he could, 
have his pants pulled down because you could get to a situation which I wrote about this morning whereby Ericsson's still on the books and European clubs still have three weeks then and then he's left with a situation, does he accept a low bid from a European club or does he let Ericsson go on a free transfer which would be financially disastrous? And he just doesn't learn and he's got to step away from the football side. It all started so promisingly for them at the beginning of this summer with the signing of Ndombele. What sort of player is he, Mina, and what's he going to bring to Spurs? Um, He's a pure number eight. Uh, He was... He's honestly, like, one of the world's best midfielders. I, I think that as much as I love... Rodri for Manchester City, I think that he might be just a, a little bit better. He's especially good when he has the ball at his feet and he can burst forward and just um, change the attacking lines, go through them. He's great defensively. He's got a hugely high um, IQ, can read the game so well in that sense. There's really nothing that the guy can't do. Um, a, a proper modern midfielder. Um, he's also technically very gifted as well. Uh, he's just good on the ball and off the ball, but on the ball is where he's really pleasing to watch. Um, and I think that they've had a problem in trying to replace Dembele. Sissoko has obviously tried his hardest to do something. Um, and he's been very good, but I think Ndombele is just such a huge upgrade on everything before that. What I'm interested to see is who he's going to be paired alongside and whether that will be Harry Winks, um, or who's going to be with him. be the diamond, wouldn't it? So he'll be either the eight or the six in the diamond, you'd have thought. You think they'll go, yeah. Well, I would like him to be in a double pivot, I guess. But you know, oh, I think he will. I think it'll be a sort of four, two, three, one. He uses both, though, doesn't he? Quite yeah, oh, yeah, he changes yeah. it up. So I'm, I'm interested to see. I think that he'll really kick off and do very well. I think the Premier League especially, whereas Rodri might need a few weeks to sort of settle in, and you could see that from his first, uh, I don't know, half an hour or so in the Community Shield where he got a little bit bossed around. But I, I think Ndombele can just slide in very quickly. I think his IQ will help carry him along as well, and, and he has the tenacity for the league as well. Um, as for them buying players, I'm not going to stand up for Daniel Levy in any stretch of the imagination by all that. But Pochettino is also a, quite a demanding coach. Like, not any transfer will do for him. And he does want a very specific type of players who are going to change the squad and improve the squad. And he's done such a good job with this side that bringing in a guy that's going to highly elevate the levels without splashing too, like ridiculous amounts of money is quite hard these days. And I think that that's kind of the reason why Liverpool haven't bought anyone. And I, I, you know, obviously I, I do think that they would need like a, a fullback to replace Trippier and, and Carl Peters and I'm not sure about him. You know, a set of fullbacks would have been great. There's no one to really replace Llorente um, or just a, like a backup plan to you Harry could ar- You could argue as we sit here now that their squad is weaker than mm-hmm. the squad that finished last season. I'm not sure they're going to be as good as last... I've got this weird but theory that they might not is... actually be that great. And it's mostly down to individual brilliance of people like Harry Kane and Sun Hyung Ming that actually wins them games, as opposed to... I think Pochettino is clearly a very talented manager. And mm-hmm. uh, I think well, I think he's a talented coach because he makes players better. And he's. Uh, I think there are some... Mistakes you've seen games like Mina was saying were saying off, uh, off mic that he doesn't make mis- uh, substitutions early enough, perhaps... But like you, I think one of the things that is relevant from last season is expected goals and how Spurs are they they score way over what they should and it will level out at some point like it has to. So for example, Harry Kane is about fifteen xG, what fourteen point seven seven xG scored seventeen. Sun Hyung Min is seven point four seven xG, but scored twelve. Lucas Moura six point two six xG scored ten. Even Eriksson is way above it. 
And at some point, although that could be the mark of great players individually, so Kane especially always shoots over his XG, which is weird, he kind of breaks the model, but that's because he's special. But if he's injured, they don't have a player who can we can uh, do that well Moura does <laughs> off the back of this but that will level out eventually and they'll shoot under or just get level and without that they drop points in the league and they won't be just it's really difficult to work out how good they really are just can I ask something because I, I know this you have Manchester City and you have Liverpool and you kind of just feel like even Liverpool are trying to play catch up to Manchester City mm. when you have a team like that in your league does that somehow detract from the ambition? Does that make you think, what's the point of me putting so much into this squad? Because let's be honest, Pochettino is probably not going to stick around. I don't want to invest heavily in this team because I'm not going to overcome Pep Guardiola's Manchester City. At board level, probably. Presumably, actually, you could argue that's not a terrible decision to be making for the long-term future of the club. Yeah. That Actually, you know, you're right. Maybe this is the sort of three or four years where you're just not going to catch those two and the, the smart investment is in the next cycle. Uh that's, but I, if you put I mean, money in now, not... you might you might break it. Like this is. Uh, Can you really break the city side? Well, this sort of happened in the Scottish Premiership a couple of years ago when Aberdeen could could really have pushed Celtic when Ronnie Dela was in charge. But the club to safeguard the club, they didn't put money in to try and you know mm. to I can't remember what the, the phrase is, but to try and build for the fu- future. Yeah, try and fund it to try and get over the line that one time, which might have changed everything. But that's just common sense. Cause it's a business. The club you'd look after the club's interest first rather than just that one season. And Spurs. Are quite similar in that regard. They're not. They're going to be third at probably best. They're probably mm. not going to finish second or first. They can push for cups. Yeah, for uh, sure. And that's what that's what they realistically can do. And their squad is already good enough for that. And finding players like their biggest problem is finding support for Harry Kane because no players want to come and be a B striker. So, exactly. And the players who are good enough to be B strikers aren't good enough for Spurs. <laughs> this is exactly what it is. So you're sort of stuck in limbo because you I mean the Champions League was a fairy tale but you're thinking yeah well Real Madrid is obviously much stronger Barcelona is probably going to bring in like 15 new players because they do that every day. And it's so much competition in the Premier League, so much competition in Europe that you're kind of just like well you know why should we bother now? So, some of it but is then quite you lose perverse, Pochettino, though, isn't it? You're yeah. going to lose Pochettino, you lose Pochettino either way. and eventually they'll lose Harry Kane because of it too. I mean, that's surely what happened with Real you Madrid now, isn't it? You honestly think that even if he gave I think him if everything I, he wanted this season, that Pochettino, if he's offered United or he's offered Real Madrid next season, yeah, he's not going to take that chance. Maybe not United if he was given everything he wanted to at Tottenham. Okay, but Madrid then. Yeah, or Madrid's different. But Harry Kane, if they don't win a trophy this season, I can see Harry Kane wanting to go next summer. And you t- I, I take the point on no one wanting to be a backup striker, but don't you buy someone who has the potential to be his replacement? Or you, so, or you so buy... Or you buy. You know Harry Kane's what, better than you. What Pochettino wanted, Pochettino completely gets that they can't get a backup for Harry Kane. He talks about it all the time. It's the hardest thing to do ever. But what Pochettino wanted and has wanted for a long time is a player who can play a bit like Saunders, but he needs another one of them who can play in several different positions and can help fill the gap. If so, you know, if you get a Wilf Zaha, for instance... Why, you're not gonna... why aren't they after Zaha? That yeah. feels so logical Because of the me. money. Just because million, of the money, yeah. yeah. But well, they've got the money. They don't want to spend it on it him. It just seems reckless, especially with Kane, when he's guaranteed to knacker his ankle once a yeah, season. Exactly. But hold on, do we know that Pochettino, because with Zaha, you don't know, maybe... Pochettino thinks, wants Zaha. Pochettino oh, loves Zaha. he does Zaha. want Zaha. Okay, and then I think Dybala would have worked out for them better than I think he can work out for United. What do we think of the end to their previous season? It was a pretty dreadful run, actually. The Terrible. Champions League final masked some ills, especially at home, actually. I think they went three or four without a win in the new... 
stadium. They play City and Arsenal in two of their first four games. Is there a danger they start badly, Matt? And it, it, it could be. Deli Alley's injured. They've got a problem at right back because I think the plan was to use one Foyt there and now he's out for about a month. So they've got a few problems. I think Son suspended for the start of the season from the Bournemouth, the Bournemouth game last season. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, you could see them having a tough start. They, they have in the past had slow starts. Um, and the, the mood there, depending on what happens between now and Thursday with the fans, isn't fantastic. Pochettino himself, his mood, I've covered a bit of them in pre-season, has been a little bit odd and he's clearly a little bit frustrated about things. So they could easily get off to a bad start or a slow start, let's say. And and then it becomes difficult. Why did he sign that long contract if he understands how hard it is, if he doesn't think that he can challenge or, you know, because the team is so difficult to buy reinforcements for? Why would you sign such a long well, contract? He gets fired, he gets paid loads of money. <laughs> he also, he yeah, does seem, like, you, a, he does seem like a genuinely emotionally driven bloke. Yeah. The yeah. celebrations after the Ajax game last season... I was, was quite so shocked endearing. to see. Yeah, it was yeah. really endearing. I was quite surprised to He's see such an obvious to, show of emotion from a manager. He was he was desperate. And this doesn't necessarily explain the long term contract, but he was desperate to be the man to take them into the new stadium for okay. sure. And he is desperate before he leaves to actually physically achieve something with this squad. He, he still mean, won nothing. Yeah, yeah. And, and, years, you yeah. know, he will always argue that the winning the trophy shouldn't be the vindication of his work, but he would still want to walk away giving the fans that trophy moment, giving the players that trophy moment. Look out, League Cup, Tottenham are coming for you. Let's move on to Watford Football Club, who are undergoing some changes off the pitch. They stopped using Z cars to run out to, brought in Elton John's I'm Still Standing. They're thinking about changing their emblem. Uh, if you think I'm struggling slightly for things to talk about with Watford, you're entirely correct. But what about Javi Garcia, JJ? He's been in his position now for an unprecedented season and a half for <laughs> Watford. How much difference does that make for them? A little bit of solidity there at Vicarage Road. Well, it... It helps, I guess. You think it would mean that he could then build a team in his image and and, and work on it, but I mean, the signings so far this season, like Craig Dawson, it's just not hugely uh, inspiring. But at Watford are again one of those teams. What are they really going to achieve? Because they don't want to spend the hundreds of millions it takes to get you the three extra places above where they want to be in top six. Or whatever. You never know. Maybe they'll um, do something very special at the beginning of the season, and then they can back it up in January. But Garcia is another manager who seems quite good he's he's won stuff early in his career at really low league level um, I I mean they're a mid-table team aren't they there's, they've got some great players Abdullah Dukuri I really rate him a lot but then there's rumours that Everton want, well, not really, there's, they actually want to sign they him they turned down a bit didn't they yeah Troy Deeney is a very good player I, I, they're not going to do anything spe- special the best they could get is a cup final again probably but then you saw what happened in the FA Cup final last yeah, season I'm, I'm surprised they've done so little I'm surprised they haven't I mean, they've basically done nothing this summer in terms of players in or players out. Um, and that's not, you know, that's mm-hmm. not trying to be nasty to anybody. I mean, they just haven't. And Then they are good enough to finish mid-table, right? So, so why would you spend all the money but, when you could just save it for another season? But they've been... I've always, they've always struck me as a club at the owner level of having ambition because they've made all these changes. They've constantly been trying to get better and turn things over and, and become better. They've mm. said they want to be in Europe as well, haven't mm, they? The they, they, they yeah. Yeah. Want that's to the aim. That, yeah. And, you know, when you've got the the Wolves and the Leicesters who are kind of around Watford and, you know, West Ham still, mm-hmm. they've all had quite big summers and, and Watford haven't done anything. It, it strikes me surprising. And yet, you know, we, we probably shouldn't criticise the fact they're settling down a little bit and becoming a little bit less crazy. 
I think this is about consolidating their position, maybe try to just every year go up by one or two like places if they can. Yeah. I think it's it's a solid team. Obviously, I this is where I tell you the midfield is so important because I think what what, what carried Watford last season is their tremendous partnership um in the middle Dakure and Kapue. Like I I think they're so brilliant together. Um Kapue is is you know the guy that just uh, holds everything rather firm to 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 watch Dakure do this everything that he needs to do. Um, I don't think that this is ever going to be... Uh, it's so difficult to compete in the Premier League and I, I just feel like buying in players nowadays and getting actual value for them, although they have a huge scouting network and that was what the Pozzo family was so famous for at the time, there's sort of less and less investment in that, so I wonder whether that's playing a part. Um, but yeah, I just you kind of just imagine they'll finish level, right? Although they want to be in Europe, so you would have thought that they might have brought in better players. Any danger of a hangover early season from that awful cup final result? I wouldn't have thought so. Not from a cup final result. I mean, maybe from if they'd had a, a, a terrible end to the season, which I quite honestly can't remember whether they you know did what? or they didn't. But um, not from one result. But actually, they did have a terrible end to last season. They didn't win from the 20th of April. So, yes, there's going to be a massive hangover <laughs> and they're going to be bloody awful. No, at the start I think of the they'll season. be excited for the start of the season. And, and you know what? They had a really fast start at the beginning of last season and they're avoiding any of the top six for the first, I think, four matches at least. So, I feel like they could, if, if they start well, then that can build momentum for them. My issue with them as well is that their conversion rate is very high for, the, for this team. And I wonder whether or not that's going to be. Can they replicate that next season? So there's a fear if they don't do that, then they'll actually fall a few places, considering how well those ahead of them have now restructured and and bought in players. That's the only fear that I would have for Watford. You can almost imagine they'll definitely keep their place. But the the bad side of it is, is potentially conceding ground to some of the better teams. Let's move on to West Ham United Football Club of London. They are scoring loads at the moment, Matt, or have been in pre-season, but also conceding a great deal of goals. Is this the modern-day version of Kevin Keegan's entertainers? It's uh, it's what we're told the West Ham way as well, isn't it? I mean, they they oh, they're such an exciting. Team. They will always tell you that they want that kind of football and that they want to be exciting. I like that. I mean, I do like West Ham fans because they they will often. They know what they want to be. They they don't expect or particularly demand. Oh, we should be challenging for Europe, and we should be. They want to see good football. They want to see goals. They want to see entertainment. They accept they're going to get a few tonkings along the way, and they're pretty much happy with that. And I I respect them for that. And this team looks and this squad looks very capable of delivering that. I actually think they're going to have quite a good season. And and they've made some very eye catching signings in Haller and and Fornals. Did you say Fornals? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing Wilshire. Wilshire's oh. had a full pre-season. Oh. I know. And I've I've been on this pod and slagged off Wilshire before. But is it, this the year? <laughs> he's had a full pre-season. I'm told he's looked fantastic in training. How looked old is really he? good in pre-season. He's about 26 now, I think. Oh. Um that is I'm shocked he's that young. Oh yeah, exactly. And really? I thought he was like 32. Really? Are yeah. you sure? He's 27. 27. Wow. Um and I, I just he's fancy... He's in his prime now. I fancy he's going to have a really good season. I've got a good feeling about him and I've got a good feeling about West Ham. They're going to concede goals. Um, they're well, going where to will some... he play, though? Because I, I feel like it's... He's been playing all pre-season. Rice, Noble and... 
Really, it should be Fornals. So where who's going? Oh, I'd imagine instead of if you're telling me those three, I'd have him instead of Noble. Sure, yeah, surely Noble's going to be in managed decline this season. Lanzini's back fit. I mean, Lanzini wasn't fit for a lot of last season. He's been on fire in in pre-season. It's easy to forget what a good player Lanzini is. Yeah, Yarmolenko should be back as well. It's also easy to forget they've got a defence. Like no, no. Well, this is it. But they're going to be. They should be really fun to watch. I think the fans are going to love it, and I I do think they're going to. I, I think they're going to push up there. You know, they're going to be one of those top eight type teams, I think. Mm-hmm. What do I, you make of Pellegrini, JJ? His tactics potentially are slightly out of time now. Is, is he um, a little bit of uh, a man from the past at this point? Or do you still think he's got enough about no, him? I still think he's got it, got it about him. Uh, I mean, what was his last thing he won was Man City would be in 2016. I think he won the cup. Uh, he reached the semi-final, which is better than Pep's manage. Yeah, so. he won the, he's won the league with City as well. I mean, it was... He, he's a very good coach. He's won things throughout his career. He's built a nice-looking squad. They have... like And Geoff Nogbonna, I think they've got pretty nice centre-backs right there, so that's solid. Fabianski's a decent keeper, so he got a good little bit there. Then in your midfield, Wilshire, if he's actually on the ball this year, that'll be decent. Uh, but also... Fornals um, is really, really, really good player. He can play across the three. He, he's, he's like a midfielder, really, but he likes to float around everywhere. So his heat maps are always all over the place. But I think Felipe Anderson was one of the best wingers in the whole league last mm. year. And if you've got good wingers, um, you've got Yarmolenko should be back as well as he did his Achilles last year. But then you've got uh, the boy Haller, who they just signed, who will score goals. Fantastic. Yeah, and Antonio's not a bad player, and Hernandez always scores goals. It's not a bad team. Again, it's just about the level that we think they're at. They're not going to be able to do anything mental like they're not going to win it's the league it's about consistency for them if they can get consistency because if you look at those players like Haller's you know he's a big guy he's strong but he can play with both feet he's smart so I'd, I'd love to see him going forward I do think sort of Felipe Anderson's one of the most gifted players that you'll watch but the problem is is that he just he's never consistent enough and you need this whole team to sort of really concentrate for 90 minutes and sometimes you feel like they don't do that and when they click into gear they're just so fantastic to watch and with four nouns what they'll have is a guy in midfield who'll constantly be moving he is literally up and down side to side trying to be where he's supposed to be Mm -hmm. helping the team dropping deep linking play he is a very smart player Um, it's just that you know for me again the the defensive worries and the Pellegrini is one of the best coaches that I remember watching, especially in, in the Spanish league. He is the guy who made Real Madrid score like over 100 goals in a season. He, is, he can be very obviously attack-minded and, ha- and he has been and been accused of being too defensive at times. So it's a little bit strange because I'm not sure if there's enough balance in there. But I think that he's also the kind of coach where if he has time and just a little bit more like the way that happened with Malaga, is players tend to really fall in love with him and try to do everything for him. So I want him to create that bond with the players because if they if he does do that and he manages that, then I think they'll be willing to lay their down their life on the line for him. Whatever happened to Malaga? That was a weird couple of years, wasn't it? Yeah. But and but they loved him. And do you remember how far he took them? Yes. And to be honest, they should have won. Uh, they were playing it was a tournament Bruce that Dortmund, knocked them yeah. down. And they sh- and, and that was controversial to say the least, by the way. And uh, Pellegrini at the time, I think he has his father or mother had passed away. And the team rallied around him because he just turned to them and said, like, I'm broken. I, I need you guys to do something special. It's for a me. novel managerial technique, admitting you're broken. <laughs> yeah. And he had Isco on that team who he converted into one of the best attacking midfielders. And the team just did everything they could to make sure that they won. And they came within a whisker. I think it's really relevant as well that he turned both Villarreal and Malaga into 
like top Machines. teams like into top mm. six teams and that's kind of what West Ham want do you think it might be top six West Ham no but, but <laughs> that takes time and like, exactly like Mina's saying he needs time to be able to build the team he has proven experience of knowing how to do it clearly has an eye for it and is I hope they go for the Cups I hope they go for the Cups I hope they... everyone goes for the Cups no one does anymore do they I, but I hope they do I mean Wolves did I last do, season I and... don't want Liverpool and City to go for the Cups I want them to go for like I Europe think West, West Ham could definitely have a Cup run if he doesn't just sack off the Cups alright so if we think they're not going to be in the top six I'll ask this question which nearly Delane sent us via AFC podcast at telegraph.co.uk she says will the introduction of VAR which is in the Premier League this season, that's my addition, not yours, Millie. You phrased it much more elegantly. Will the introduction of VAR remove the unconscious bias against non-top six sides in the Premier League this season? I get so bored by the word bias. Well, the, well that's, that, is, that is harsh on Millie. Sorry, Millie. Like it's, it. And she said unconscious bias. And I think there is, a, there is an argument that in a bigger stadium, when the bigger boys come and shout at you with their nasty top six language... You're going to be the, more intimidated. You can't get a penalty at Old Trafford and things like that. I mean, I suppose, yeah, because it's, you know, it's all on video now, isn't it? We're going to be talking about VAR so much that talking about gonna, VAR before uh, this should we set? Should we, how do I we, how do we mitigate up. that? Should we have a timer saying we can only talk about it for a minute on each yeah, podcast? Yeah, I think that's a really good shout, actually. I wish we had Neil Warnock this season. Oh, he'd be getting done by all the time, yeah. Mm. We haven't mentioned Pellegrini's hair. <laughs> It's oh, amazing. Fantastic. It's the best hair in the Premier League. He's no? only 65 as well. He looks a bit emperor from the... That's, that's Star, almost as shocking as Jack Wilshire. If yeah. you had that hair at 65, you'd be delighted. And look at that. If you thick... could draw a man who came from Chile, it would look like Pellegrini, no? I mean, it looks like he lives on an international space station that is primed to destroy planets, but he, really? uh, yeah, he has a bit of a look of the Emperor Palpatines about him. He just but makes he's a not very that distinguished old. old man. Which Premier League manager reminds you of a Star Wars character? Please get in touch with us. AFC podcast at telegraph.co.uk. Let's move on to the <laughs> 20th and final team of the Premier League season. Yippee! Oh, crikey, Mina. <laughs> Come on. We're are excited. You, are you happy for Wolves or happy with finishing? No, I'm, I'm, I'm just happy. I'm, I no longer have to sweat it out. It is, the, the audio recording facility is boiling. Wolves are the team in question. How do they... Mina avoid second season syndrome they were so good last year but they've got the extra uh, elements this year of having to compete in Europe squad not all that big are they going to regress potentially Uh, we know that Nuno Espirito Santo sometimes can end up being a little bit of a puppet man I'm a little bit perturbed by some of the players that have come in these two guys from Lazio the the Portuguese internationals where it's like oh they've arrived from Serie A and I'm like yep they've played about 100 minutes between them so not exactly the kind of guys that are going to light up this team. You sometimes worry they with the also, Jorge. They sound like kind of made-up players from an old video game as well. Neto, Jordao and Cristoval. Yeah. Like, <laughs> could be anyone, couldn't they? Yeah, Neto and, and Jordao are from Lazio. And you just you feel like it, it, this is sort of what happened at Valencia at times. You know, it becomes a Jorge Mendes team and then you, you sort of wonder whether it's going to be like just playing to management. But anyway, I, I don't know. I do love Nuno Espirito Santo. I love the way that he played his football. Needs to do better against the smaller sides. But they have Cutrone. And that's all you really need to know. He's one of my favourite players in the league. Um, I... Look, if you guys are expecting somebody with lightning pace, then you'll be super disappointed because he doesn't have that. And uh, Where does he play? 
he's uh, imagine Inzaghi like it's a little bit frustrating at times because he's on the shoulder of the defender <laughs> yeah but his movement is fantastic he always buys himself enough time to do something special his finishing is again really really special um, positional sense he cracks it all the time he can play with another striker he can play with his own I, I prefer him with another striker um, he just has this this ability and this knack and understanding of always knowing where to position himself to be at the end of the cross to, to score. And I, I love him. I really, really do. Three goals last season in 34 appearances for Milan. But that's because he was barely played and he's a guy who needs momentum. But he was top scorer for Milan the year before that. Ten. Well, it's, it's still Italy, yeah? He's on the bench, um, though. <laughs> um, and he played, like, probably 10 as well. Like, I think that he scored, like, one of a game at the time. So he, alongside Moise Ken, are considered to be the line, like, the future of Italian football, at least from the front. What are you thinking about Wolves, JJ? Are you looking forward to watching them again this year? Yeah, I really like Wolves. I think the problem they're going to have is, like, so many teams who... So I think they caught a lot of people by surprise last season by how good they uh, were. Um, I think it's wise not... Um, wasting money on players they maybe don't need because it's clearly a good team and they're going to find it harder this season because teams will sit off them more and rather than being able to nip in behind teams on the break because they were so often last season they'll probably find that they have to do more with the ball luckily they have players who can do that so players like Neves and Moutinho are great at creating things in possession so that's the good part but it it won't be they won't get so many free points (laughs) they they struggled they really struggled last season when in the games where the emphasis was on them wasn't yeah, it because they were so good at counter-attacking and they and teams did that on purpose by the end yeah. they were doing it so they were deliberately conceding possession and you would imagine that's that's what will now happen and he's got to have he's surely in pre-season got to have figured out a slightly different approach hold on he's in that. they're in europe mm. that's gonna be it's a small squad and he relies a lot on this on the chemistry as well of the players. So and and how well that they've bonded. And so I don't know. And his tactics are exhaustive. So I don't know whether it's all just going to grind down to a halt somewhere around like uh, March or April when they all just starts to collapse on a physical level. Um, if they are taking part in all these competitions, or if they get knocked out early, I don't know whether it would still have an impact on them in the way that it did have on, on other teams before that. So that that's like Burnley last year. Yeah, yeah. Burnley. I last can't year. see them being as good as last season. I don't think they'll be yeah. bad, but I can't see them being as good as last season. If, if they do carry on being excellent, do you think Nuno will be on people's radar as a potential? Manager yeah, I think coach? he was on. I think he was on people's radar anyway. Um, no. Just not at the top of the radar. You think it's more about the club, Mina, and the connections and the players than you the don't coaching? think other clubs would look at. Him. Depends who, but he—it's weird because he divides people a lot. I've—I've I've, I've once come out and said that to me he was one of my favorite coaches, and I got so much blowback from a lot of people who are like, "No, he's rubbish in all these other ways." And it's actually the partnership between him and Jorge Mendes that makes it really good. I still think that he's very good. Um, I still think that he needs to figure out how to keep a team, you know, really good for a full season, you know, and two seasons and three seasons, like build upon that. And again, again, find a way of unlocking defences. But it seems to me that there's a lot of fans on his side who think he's great from the likes of Graham Hunter, a Spanish journalist, but a lot of others who think that actually he can be really poor as well. So, Right. That's it. We've completed the Premier League. I'm going to do something very unfair now and ask you all for some spot predictions. Who's winning the league, Matt? Man City. Mina? City. JJ. Manchester City. Three teams that are going down, please, JJ. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Brighton. Yes. And maybe Newcastle. Oh. And Sheffield United. Okay. Mina. 
Uh, I believe in Graham Potter, so I'm going to say Newcastle. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Sheffield United and Norwich City. Matt? Sheffield United. Uh... Potentially Villa. No, not Villa. <laughs> Sheffield Villa. United, uh, Newcastle, and I'm really torn on the other one. Probably just about Norwich. But I say that with a heavy heart. Bad news for Newcastle. Um, give me a dark horse, not necessarily the team that is going to finish closest to the top six, but a team that you think is generally being slightly underregarded at the moment and will uh, will, will be purring over at points this season. What? Having said what we've just said about them, it doesn't really, it feels like a bit of a cop out, but I think West Ham. I think West Ham will do well. Yeah, West Ham could do really well. I think Leicester could do really well too. Arsenal are going to be good this season. Okay. I also think Leicester will be very good. Good. All right. Very well done. Well done. We've completed the Premier League. Let's go somewhere else. You're listening to the Telegraph Audio Football Club, part of the Telegraph Podcasting Network. To find more of our podcasts, just go to telegraph.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Merci beaucoup, Mathieu et Yannick, for a beautiful introduction to our final Song for Europe of these pre-season preview podcasts. We are, of course, in France, Mina, and Uber Eats League on as it is now, apparently, according to Joel Grove. Uh, is this the least competitive of the major European leagues now? It just Is it PSG all over again and we may as well not even be playing it? Well, didn't Liverpool manager come out and said, we don't want a league where, like Serie A, where Juventus just wins every year? And I was like, you know what? I'll show you the competitiveness. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yes, I do agree. I, I do think that this is probably the least uh, competitive of all the teams. Also because, you, you know, at the moment you've got Lyon going through reconstruction. You know, they've just sold a lot of their best players, bringing in new ones. Marseille have a new coach and guess who? AVB. Oh, is he on his way back? <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think there's a big second act for AVB in yeah. this country. Do you think so? Yeah, I think no. I, I really. I'd like to see that, to be honest. Matt, Matt knows way more than me. And it's just poor, <laughs> um, scorn on. But that again, I, I don't think so either because I don't think he's very loved. Um, but um, so he's in Marseille. Uh, it's it's going to be a wonder to see whether Lille can manage what they managed last season. But it's just so much of PSG above and ahead of of every other side with the best players really although they do have that Neymar issue yeah what's the situation going on with him it seems like he wants out is he unsettling the side at the moment yeah a little bit um I mean it's especially annoying when you keep trying to speak to all the players and you'll be like okay hi Variety so how do you think you're going to do this season and he'll be like well we're really hopeful that you know and then it's like so what about Neymar and he'll be like oh god like I can't answer a question about anything to do like with PSG, because everyone just keeps asking me about Neymar. So I think that's an annoying thing to have to deal with. It's a bit like Juventus when everyone's like, are you excited for Ronaldo? Like, you're all rubbish. But anyway, the thing is with with PSG is he has obviously come out and said, I want to leave. They really want to get rid of him because they've just had enough with him, with his father, with this whole thing. Uh, But Barcelona don't have the money to really buy him back. So it's got to be a deal that everyone's happy with. I think PSG would like Coutinho, and I think they'd like Semedo. Um, but they also want to cash some on top of that. Barcelona don't necessarily have those funds to bring back Neymar. I'd love to see how they're going to put all of that together on their team with Griezmann now as well. Um, 
But, you know, like I said, he wants, he also arrogantly said that his best moment in his career was the comeback against PSG when they destroyed them when hmm. he was at Barcelona. That's naughty. So now the fans hate him too. <laughs> nice, nice looked quite an interesting club to watch out for. They've had Jim Ratcliffe take them over, who's the like richest man in Britain, has been linked a lot with taking over Chelsea. Patrick Vieira is manager, who I was saying has done a good job. But in pre-season, they've lost 6-1 to Burnley, lost to Standard Liège, lost to Cardiff City, and lost 8-1 to Wolfsburg. It's just a fitness exercise, though, Yeah, it's just it? pre-season, though. I'm interested to see what Nice do. Yeah. I mean, Nice were obviously, like, exceptional to watch when they had Lucien Favre, but, uh, and then, you know, they tried to carry that through with, with Patrick Vieira, but... Um, uh, Monaco okay. as well. What's going on with Monaco, Matt? You're, you're pumped about Monaco. Well, just though. Monaco was such a crazy story last season with uh, Jardim going, Henri coming back in, coming in, Jardim coming back. And they weren't actually that good when Jardim came back, weren't they? Well, they were hello, but they were not much a better. Hell of a lot better. No, they weren't that much better. They still nearly went down. But with two weeks of the season, they could have still gone down. I think because the guy destroyed them on a mental level and psychological level. But because Jardim, one of them didn't tuck back his seats back in. Jerry Jardim, Henry just no, thought he was the ruler no, no, of the no, land. No, but that's right to an extent. But it was different players because Jardim in January bought like nine players, and the results still didn't really improve. I think that's going to be really interesting whether that can it be improved or not or whether they're still really bad this season I think that having him for preseason and, and sticking with him because they've realised that the grass isn't greener with anyone else should help them um, they are looking to, to, to still buy players for this team so it's still like we don't know what's going to happen in the transfer market but I think Leon is really where it's at at the moment because obviously they've sold off some so many of their of their big players from Ndombele to Ferland Mendy to Real Madrid Nabil Fekir the one who was associated to Liverpool has now gone to Real Betis don't ask um, and they, their new coach is uh, Silvino their director of sport is Janino <laughs> so it's like this whole Brazilian flair to it and they obviously know each other and, and Silvino was the right-hand man to Chiche for Brazil. So it's going to be interesting to see whether they can be the exciting side that they were last season because they were so terrific to watch in the Champions League. There you go. We found some intrigue in France. Who'd have thought it? That's it. That's the end of our season preview podcast. We'll be back with you on Monday with our normal weekly show. Let us know what you want from us this season. You can contact me on Twitter if you want to. It's at Tom with an H Gibbs. Or send us an email. AFCpodcast at telegraph.co.uk is the address. Leave us a review as well on Apple Podcasts. Why not? You like us. Why not tell people about us? More people will get to hear it. It's going to be a revolution. We're going to become the seventh best football podcast in this country. Don't forget to subscribe to Audio Football Club. It'd be great if you did. Thanks to Joel Grove on the buttons. Thanks to you for your company. I'll talk to you again soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.